0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Yes, it is Thursday. This is your Friday show. You get three shows a week. You're getting today's show early. Tomorrow is a travel day, and I just didn't see how I was going to be able to get it done tomorrow and then get down to Tulane at a decent hour. I got to get down and get checked in and uh, pick up the credentials and get settled. And of course, um, you know, then we get settled. You know, for Saturday, a big series coming up, and uh, we're going to recap. Uh, the week yet. I'm, I'm going to tell you some things that I've seen, that uh, you know, from our offensive approach, that uh, you know, are a little bit troubling. I guess you could say. The thing that I would point out too, and I know it's easy to be a prisoner of the moment. I get, I'm guilty of that too. When things are going bad, it's like, oh my gosh, the world is ending. The truth of the matter is, guys like Luke Hancock, Cameron James, Logan Tanner, they didn't forget how to hit. They didn't. People are pitching them a little different today. You know, the game's playing. It's a little tough right now. You hear Chris Lamontis saying that sometimes. Uh, but some of these things that are happening with us are a little bit self-inflicted. And that's actually a good thing because you can fix that. There's some mechanical things that we're a little bit off on. You can fix that. Jay Gotro, one of the best hitting coaches in America. I know it's easy when things are going a little bit south. to Say, well, you know, we've got to do this, got to change this. It's not always that complicated. Baseball can be a simple game. It really can be. And I think there are some times that we need to simplify things for players. We're, we really do. And, uh, again, you got veteran guys on this team, and they're still trying to find an identity. But last night was awful. I mean, absolutely awful. You know, when I think about that, kind of the Bulldog experience yesterday. It reminds me of something my dad said years ago. You know, Mama said there'd be days like this, but she didn't say there'd be this many of them. Uh, that's kind of how it was yesterday. Mississippi State, an embarrassing loss to Southern Miss, and that is in no way a reflection of, of the Golden Eagle baseball team. They're a very talented team. I'm not going to sit here and say that Mississippi State got beat by a better team. They got beat by a good team. Very, very, very efficient what they did. They made our walks come back to bite us. Got to pitch better. Got to hit better. I think we all see that. And the the truth of the matter is, I thought, you know, probably pitching last night in spots was good enough to win. Other times it wasn't. In tight ball games, you can't issue a bunch of free passes, and we did. We talk about baseball being a simple game. You, you give people free bases, you essentially give people free runs. And that's what happened. And, again, tip of the cap for Southern Miss, they went out there and did what they needed to do. It's a big win for them. And, again, this is a good team that will be in contention for a uh, you know, potential host spot, you know, late. We'll see how things progress. But uh, th- they'll be at least a solid number two. Somewhere, And, again, it's a good program. It's a program that we're going to lose to occasionally. We had won three in a row in the series, uh, dating back to that one nothing loss against Ethan Small uh, back in 19. But uh, last night was not a performance that, uh, you know, gives anybody any confidence. But I think at the end of the day, you go back and you remember the same coaching staff that won an AFL championship are still here. That staff's still here. And many of the pieces that won the NFL championship are still in the clubhouse. They're going to get it figured out. I know that. well, Steve, we've got this brutal stretch coming up, and that's true. This could be, in many respects, you know, a stretch that basically decides if State is the top eight national seed or not. And you'd say, well, Steve, you're being silly. This team has that potential. It's a matter of, you know, unlocking that potential and winning some baseball games. Winning changes everything. I understand that today the Mississippi State baseball team will be at the State House. They'll be uh, recognized before the state legislature uh, for for winning an AFL championship. And and to be honest with you, I don't know if it could come at a worse time. You've had a couple of very subpar offensive performances this week, getting ready for your first road trip. And then we've got, in, in many respects, you know, kind of a, let's just call it a distraction, I guess. You know, but maybe it'll be, it proved to be a good thing. You know, maybe it's a reminder that, hey, you guys are a great baseball team, one of the national elite. Let's get it figured out. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I want to thank you guys uh, for your support of uh, this baseball program. They're going to they're gonna be fine. And the expectations here are unlike any others. I mean, let's be honest. We expect to be in Omaha every year. We have been three years in a row. This is a team capable of making Omaha again. And so when you see these things happen and there are some challenges, you begin to kind of doubt and say, well, you know, is our run over? And you start overanalyzing things. What about our recruits and what about this? You know, guys, this team has a ton of talent. It does. This team has recruited among the nation's elite, you know, the last several years, and that's because we are a national elite. We are a college blue blood baseball program. There's no question about that. And I, I'm still very optimistic they're going to turn it around. And if you go down there and you win the series this weekend, it's a much different feeling about the team. And, you know, I go back um, a couple of years ago, you know, we were scuffing a little bit. We go down to Biloxi and we took a pair from Texas Tech and felt like we'd kind of righted the ship a little bit as we got ready to play Arkansas. And, of course, that series and the rest of the season ultimately canceled. But we can learn a lot about our team. And, you know, the thing that I have learned, too, you know, when you have guys that can change speeds and throw breaking stuff to both sides of the plate, when you can throw your breaking ball for a strike at any level, that is the key to the kingdom. You know, you can't just sit dead red fastball. And we've got some guys that are elite fastball hitters. Well, they're not seeing a lot of fastballs because people are aware of that. And so, you're going to have to learn to hit the other stuff. You know, Cameron James, an elite fastball hitter. People are aware of this. They're not going to grow fastballs to him. Occasionally it'll happen, but you know, by and large, people are going to mix it up. He's going to have to show that he can take that slider and dump it in the right field. You know, not try to do too much, just kind of punch it the other way and get on base any way he can. And we need him to be an RBI guy. But right now, some you know, sometimes the best thing you do is kind of simplify the approach. And I'll be honest with you, of all the players last night that – put on the, the uniform for Mississippi State. Yeah, the guy that I thought had the best approach to plate was Von Sieber, you know, one of our young guys, comes up late in the ball game and just lines the ball right back up the middle. You know, Again, doesn't try to do too much, doesn't try to yank one out of the yard. And I even asked him about this in postgame, you know, from my own experiences. You know, one of the things that I used to, you know, kind of tell guys in pregame, hey, guys, you're not going to hit one out of here. Okay, so let's go ahead and remove that from our possibility. You know, maybe you got a guy out there that, um, you know, is dealing a little bit and you say, hey, guys, we're not going to take him deep. You know, so let's keep our hands inside the baseball. Let's really fine-tune the mechanics and kind of lock in and work the middle of the field. Let's work gap to gap here. Try to put some balls and play. Let them make some play, play defense here. And I, I think in some respects, that's, that's probably what needs to happen. You go back and look at State's approach against Kumar Rocker last year in game three of the NAFL championship final. That's exactly what we did. We didn't go out there looking to hit a bunch of tanks. We went out there to just try to, hey, we're going to just line the baseball into, into green grass. We're going to put pressure on him. And eventually he folded. You know, we, we got some, some big hits later in that ball game to put it away, but the reality of it is we had a very, very solid approach. And Jake Gautreaux will get it fixed out. He, he will. I don't have any doubt about that. I got a lot of confidence in his staff. I got a lot of confidence in his team. We're not playing well right now. And, and there's no way to sugarcoat that. I mean, you all, you all, you all see the box scores. But more importantly, you see some of these non-competitive at-bats. It'd be one thing if they were a bunch, all a bunch of newcomers. But the fact that you've got some of your veteran guys that are scuffing a little bit too uh, you know, kind of makes you think, okay, we're just kind of playing tough right now. We'll get it fixed. You don't think Luke Hancock can hit. That, guy, that guy's a trained assassin. Luke Hancock will get it going. I have no doubt about any of that. I think those guys will get going. Logan Tanner had a couple uh, of you know, barreled up balls last night. We really didn't hit a lot of baseballs hard. And, again, some of that is uh, you know, kind of a tribute to them. It's their mess. They had, they had a great approach. Uh, pitching-wise, and really attacked our hitters. And here's the reality of that. Until you prove that you can punish people for change-ups, a lot of breaking stuff, that's all you're going to see. Until you prove you can hit it, that's what you're going to deal with. They're not just going to wake up in the morning and say, you know what, hey, State has really struggled with the change-up and the breaking stuff away. Let's go pound them inside with fastballs. just not going to happen. Not going to happen. We're going to break some of that stuff down in the next segment of the show. Uh, Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show. I love going there to eat. I do. I I travel a lot, as you guys are well aware. I'm on the road a lot. One of the best things about being home is being able to go to Bulldog Burger Company. And home, it could be just about anywhere now in Central or North Mississippi. You can get uh, Bulldog Burger Company, their fine cuisine there at Lake Harbor. I guess it's um, Lakeland Drive, excuse me in the Ridge and Flowood area, and of course, uh, University Drive here in Star Vegas, and Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Just great people doing a great job providing a great product at a great price. Great service, great atmosphere, everything you could ask for in a dining experience, you're gonna find at Bulldog Burger Company. You can have an adult beverage, you can have a chocolate shake to go. Not a lot of places offer that combination of services. Be sure and go check them out today, you'll be glad you did. Have the Pimentology add bacon, it'll put a little hair on your chest. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M E A T. All right, I want to thank everybody that came out at Trust Mart Park. I was with the fine folks at uh, at College Corner. They were there, had a tent set up behind home plate, sold a lot of books, and I uh, had a chance to meet some of you guys, and you know we took pictures together, and um, and we were friends. And then we watched a you know a, a pretty bad baseball game for our team. So let's break the game down. And uh, we'll begin to kind of look ahead I'm again talk about some things that I, that I've noticed you know the thing that I would say to you know I, I, and I've, I've said this multiple times you know the first time through the order you know they were putting the ball in play you know and and we really weren't and when we were it was kind of soft contact you know we did we just didn't put a lot of pressure on them and you just feel like okay I'd rather be the team. This hitting some hard ground balls right at people the first time through the order, then being the team that's struggling to make contact. And that's what you saw last night. Southern Miss, even early on, was doing a really good job putting the bat on the ball, and we were struggling to do that. We start out one, two, three. A quarter strike's out on three pitches, and I, I thought that Tanner Hall did a great job of really kind of attacking Mississippi State with two strikes. There are a lot of people that they get in an advantage count. They want you to chase, so they'll throw something out of the zone. I, th- I thought Hall did a good job of throwing it just close enough to the zone to get the swing and miss. And right now, there is a ton of swing and miss in the lineup. Quarter Ks on three pitches, and that's the thing. You know, who is going to hit leadoff? I-, I think it really is – it's probably not the best situation for us to have Cam lead off. I think Cam needs to be a guy that has an opportunity to hit with runners in front of him. But we've got to find a guy. They can consistently get on base as a leadoff guy. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Tanner Leggett. I don't know. But I think at this point, that's one of the, the issues that we're having is we're struggling to get people on base at the top of the order. Cam grounds out to third, actually hit the baseball pretty well. And then Luke Hancock is out at first. Uh, basically, we just kind of rolled over a ground ball to first, and they tossed it a to pitcher. And, and that happened multiple times, not just to Luke, but there were a lot of balls that we pulled hard on the ground, uh, basically for a routine play at first base. Uh, Montenegro singles to center field. And, again, really barreled the baseball up. Ewing grounds into a double play. This is a great play by Luke Hancock. That ball was absolutely rifled towards right field. Luke makes a uh, sliding play there. Gets up. Uh, steps on the bag and then throws to Tanner Leggett, who applies the tag. And while there were two outs there, and you're happy to get out of that, it's pretty clear they were on fristo. And then there's the fly out to left field, so it's it's a it's an inning we get out without any damage. But if I'm Southern Miss, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. It's like you know, hey, you know, we're seeing what this kid's doing. All right, we come up in the second, and uh, LT strikes out looking. Again, you get into a two-strike count, and rather than fish, he went right at us and uh, did a great job. He threw throw a split-fingered changeup and uh, had a lot of good sinking action, which is one of the reasons we, uh, we grounded the ball uh, into the ground as much as we did. Hunter Hines comes up and really, really barrels one up. One of the hardest baseballs hit all night for Mississippi State, a single back up the middle, uh, tailing away from the shortstop to the pull side, Diving effort there from him just couldn't get there. And again, I think Hunter Hines is going to be a centerpiece of this program in the years ahead. Uh, Brad Cumbus then strikes out. And here's the thing with Brad, too. Uh, Brad, even in that expansive ballpark, is not going to see fastballs. He's just not. Nobody's going to make the mistake. When you've got a guy that big, why groove him something in the wheelhouse and end up being on Sports Center? And so that's what, when we get an SEC play, Brad Cumbus may never see a fastball. He strikes out on three pitches, and then Downs strikes out. And, and that's the thing. Aaron Downs, I think, is going to be a great player for Mississippi State. I don't really have any question about it. He had a really tough night last night, a really, really tough night last night. So, here we go. We come up with a runner on, and we strike out on three pitches. And the thing, and I think this is kind of, kind of indicative of what we're seeing in the lineup, is our misses are really bad. You know, when we swing and miss, at times we are missing really bad. And this particular pitch here that Darren Down struck out on, I don't know if he could have hit it with a garden rake. Honest to goodness. It was a breaking ball down and away, and we swing over the top of it, and even if we make any kind of contact, the best we can hope for is it's a foul ball. And so there are a few things you look at here when we look at this lineup. Yeah, you, know, you got some guys that are putting the ball in play, and just not barreling up. And and some of that is a timing issue. Sometimes we're not getting our feet, our foot down in time. Uh, sometimes you know we're we're actually getting uh, around the baseball rather than keeping our hands inside. And so what you want to do is have everything go forward. You want to work middle of the field. You know you don't want to be up there uh, ha- having a noisy swing. And we've got some guys at the time even you know even in preload, we've got some guys up there that are a little bit noisy. There's a lot of mechanism to all this stuff. There's just a lot of stuff that goes on. You know, I don't know if, if our head's not being still or whatever. I watch some of these guys, and it seems like we're just so anxious. And Chris even says himself, we're trying to do too much. We're pressing a little bit. That That is evident. And maybe perhaps having a day off today and kind of getting out of Starkville it may allow our guys to kind of calm down some. But uh, I noticed that with Aaron. I'm not, I'm not picking on downs. You've heard me praise him on the show. I think he is going to be an absolute star. Uh, for us, he does make really solid contact, but last night you know, Southern Miss really kept him off balance and had him chasing balls down in the dirt, and again, some really, really big misses, and that's not something that's just unique to him. Okay, bottom of second, again Southern Miss, one, two, three, this inning, but again, it's one of those deals where they're putting the ball in play you get a pop-up, you get a ground-out another ground-out actually got behind some hitters here that's a thing that I always look at. It's like, especially early in, you know, why, why are we getting behind hitters? We get behind 2-0, we get behind 1-0, and then the very first pitch from McGillis is grounded out. But a 1-2-3 inning. Top of third, R.J. comes up. And you, R.J. is another guy, too. I would say, like, Matt Quarter, Downs, Yeager, they're kind of in the same group right now. You know, they're, they're really struggling to see spin. They're really struggling to see the breaking stuff they're having a really difficult time laying off of that and yeager is a proven division one baseball hitter and i've had some guys close to the program tell me and a couple of guys in a program say he is one of the best players on this team one of the most naturally gifted players on this team one of the most polished guys to play so you have some confidence say you know what hey he's going to figure it out and you can say well he's never seen sec pitching well nobody has this year None of our guys have seen the SEC pitching. And, the, you know, Southern Miss, that, that's a team you know, Mercer and those guys would play. You know, teams of that caliber. And so, the game, again, is kind of playing RJ a little bit tough. I'm optimistic he's going to turn it around. Maybe he's not your leadoff guy. But should, I think it's just a matter of time. He let us in home runs in the fall. This is a guy that can hit. Leggett then hits a hard ground ball to third – and it takes kind of a tough hop. I don't I don't know if the guy just didn't round it off or not. But uh, it goes off the third baseman in the center field. And that was an 0-2 count as well. And you know, this is – we're getting behind. You know, we, we go back and look at what Hall did. You know, he's getting ahead of the Bulldog hitters. You know, just kind of going back and looking at this. You know, it's a, it's a first pitch strike to quarter. First pitch strike to Cam. First pitch strike to Hancock. First pitch strike to Logan Tanner. We get – an advantage count with Hunter Hines when we get a base, we get a base hit. It's a first pitch strike to Kumbis. It's a first pitch strike to Downs. You get into the third, it's a first pitch strike to Jaeger. It's a first pitch strike uh, to Leggett. It's a first pitch strike to Corder. It's a f- first pitch strike to Cam James again. You go out there and you pound the zone. You go out there and make guys hit their way on. And so you give Hall a lot of credit for really challenging the hitters and making them hit his pitch. But he was close enough to the zone that around the plate, they just simply had to offer. Cam strikes out, 1-2, and uh, that's the end of the inning. So we get the one guy on reach on an error there. And so now we're in the third inning. See, you're seeing the bottom third of this order here and possibly the top. You know, you're seeing seven, eight, nine from Southern Miss. And we get a first pitch strike to Tao and then walk him. Then there is a single through the right side. Then there's runners at first and second. And you've got the nine-hole hitter up. But what are you going to do there? I mean, that's just basic baseball. You're going to get a bunt down. That's exactly what they do. They get the bunt down, and they put the runners in scoring position with less than two outs at the top of the order coming up. And they made us pay. That's the thing. When you move guys around, we have struggled to get the timely hit at times this year. Southern Miss did. Montenegro triples the right center. He absolutely hammered this baseball into the right center field gap. Uh, Pretty much the same spot that Luke Hancock did a couple years ago in the governor's game against Ole Miss. Just absolutely smokes this baseball. Now, again, you've got two runs home and another runner in scoring position with less than two outs. Ewing steps up, just knocks it right back up the box. Very simple approach there. Uh, Really like the way this Southern Miss team competes. Now it's a 3-0 game. Fristo bounces back gets a couple first pitch strikes to Sargent and, and Lynch. And while those at-bats uh, went a little bit deeper into the count, we get out of it down 3-0. And I'll be honest with you, based on how they were swinging and how we were swinging, 3-0 felt like 5 or 6. It really did. It really felt like that we were well behind in the ball game. We come up in the fourth, and once again, it's, uh, it's first pitch strikes again. Luke Hancock strikes out, which Luke is striking out with greater regularity. But, again, I have no doubt that he's going to get that turned around. You get a K here. against a first-pitch strike. You go at LT, and it's a single center field. But, again, it's a pitch right there in his the zone, challenging the hitters. Hunter Hines again comes up, gets a first-pitch strike. Then he singles to the right side. Now he's got two hits on the day. We got something cooking, right? Runners at first and second with just one out. Kumbis then reaches on a fielder's choice. Uh, they, they try to run the 5-3 double play here. Basically pushed off the bag and pushed the throw up the line. We don't make them pay here. Runners at, fir- at uh, first and third here, or first and second. And Downs comes up again, and it's the first, this time it's a first-pitch ball. And you think, okay, you know, th- we're going to turn it around. We don't. So, again, runners in scoring position, Downs comes up and strikes out. And again, it's going to feel like I'm picking on him. I'm not. He's going to be better for this moment. As a competitor, this will really fire him up, I believe. Uh, Bottom of four, what do we do? We come back and we walk the leadoff guy. Again, we start out 1 0 count. McGillis is then hit by the pitch. Fristo is then gone. We bring in Pico Kahn, who I think is going to be outstanding, and he has been very solid for Mississippi State so far. They get, again, runners at first and second. With, one, with nobody out, they get the bunt down, and they move them along. And, again, we've gifted them two base runners. They're going to give us an out in exchange to move those guys up. They do. And then what do we do? It's a wild pitch. We gift them a run. Everything that happened in this inning, we gave them. Every, every single thing. And now, all of a sudden, a three nothing ball game is a nothing ball game. Now you're going to have to string together some hits. We get Montenegro out looking, and Dickerson lines out to center. And the inning is over. But again, it's self-inflicted wounds here. The walk, the hit by pitch, the wild pitch. We gifted them to run. Top of five. We come right back in here. And again, Hall is dealing. Jaeger gets a one-o count here and then strikes out. And those swings are really wild. I mean, we're we're missing big. It's one thing if we're foul tipping. It's one thing, you know. Maybe if you're swinging through it, we're swinging way over the top. And a lot of times, we're not even swinging on a level playing. We're just kind of out there just hacking. Leggett then flies out to right field. And again, that's on an 0-1 count. Quarter also gets an 0-1 count and then strikes out swinging. And I thought, again, this is a non-competitive at bat. You go back and look, we weren't anywhere close putting these balls in play. A lot of times when you have guys hitting the baseball and just not barreling it up, it's a timing issue. And maybe it's maybe you need to simplify things. Maybe, maybe some guys like to have the leg talk, and not getting their foot down fast enough. Sometimes guys, you know, they drag their hands a little bit. It takes a little while. But some of these misses are really, really big, really big. And then to me, that is a pitch recognition issue. We're not recognizing the spin. And then, you know, it's one thing, you know, when a guy's throwing a split-finger changeup, you don't see that maybe once a year, twice a year. But after you've seen it once, you, you hope you're a little more competitive against it the second time. We were not. We were not. It's almost like, you know, we, we talk about hunting the fastball, and that, that needs to be our mentality. But I think people kind of use that against us too. Well, if they're hunting the fastball, we're not going to give them the fastball. And so we've got to find a way to adjust. Baseball is a game of adjustments, and not just in-game or uh, over the course of a week, but over the course of the season. You've got to figure it out. One, two, three inning for the Bulldogs. Bottom of five, and this is when things got away from us. You know, again, you know, Pico's been solid and, and, and finally kind of gets to him here. Uh, Montenegro grounds out to second, and then we walk Ewing. Sergeant flies out to center. So now you've got a runner at first and two outs. You're thinking, okay, we can get out of this thing, you know, ground ball somewhere, and, uh, you know, we're back in the dugout uh, trying to to carve into this lead. But we walk another – we walk Lynch, and it's a four-pitch walk. Now there's runners at first and second. We complicate the matter with another wild pitch. Allows both guys to move up. Now you've got runners at second and third with two outs, a timely base hit, Slade Wilkes from Columbia, Mississippi, my hometown, comes through with a double to uh, left field, drives in both runs. At this point, the game was over. It was just a matter of what the final score was going to be. It is now 6-0. And the way Hall was dealing and the way that we were kind of wailing up there at the plate, you just didn't see any hope. We bring in Brandon Smith. He gets a foul out to McGillis. Uh, Those big foul territories there, and Cam gets under it. We're out of the inning. Cam Janeson singles to third base. And again, I, I, Cam, everything with Cam to me, and I, I don't think Cam's actually uh, having a, a bad start. I, I've, I've read some things, and I guess we're looking at different numbers, but I don't think Cam's approach is that bad. And uh, he singles to third. And as soon as that guy had to field that ball well up the line, you know, behind the bag there, I mean, it was he really pushed it to the – the farthest territory he could and stay in, in fair territory as well as Cam runs. I said, as soon as as soon as soon I saw him gloved at ball, I said, you got no chance. None. And it was closer than I expected it to be to kind of give this other missed third baseman some credit. But Cam beats it out. And then Hancock comes through, hits the big chopper, the big high hopper out there to second. And for some reason, they decided to go to second. I don't know why you don't just take the out at first. Number one... Your momentum is taking you away from second. You got to turn and throw, and you've got one of the fastest players on the Mississippi State roster going in. It was not a close play at second. It was basically a gift. And I believe in the baseball guys, and I believe in baseball justice. And I felt, okay, well, they're they're going to handle them right here. Baseball guys, will you, know, you don't play the game correctly, that they punish you for it. Well, instead, we make a mistake. We ground into a double play. Same situation. Ground ball to third. He steps on the bag and throws across to first. And of course, not as much speed going down the bag. And, and Logan's a catcher, right? And it's a, it's a, it's a double play. Hines is then hit by the pitch on base again for the third time. Cumbus then walks. And again, the bases are loaded here. And you think, okay, anything here makes this a game again. And then down strikes out. It's three times in the game that Aaron down strikes out with runners on. First time with one runner on then with two, and now with three. And, again, I'm not picking on him, but, you know, the the moment always seems to find you when you're struggling a little bit. It's like when you're having a tough night. It always seems like the game finds you. That's the thing about baseball. It's cruel, but it's fair. Down strikes out. And uh, actually a little more competitive at bat this time. You know, the final strike really wasn't. It was really a wild swing. And, again, this is a freshman. God, I want to beat him up. This is a freshman. This is a guy that's only played in a handful of games so far. The guy's going to be a star at Mississippi State. It really is. But, um, you know, not his best night, obviously, down at Trustmark Park. So, we leave him loaded. Southern Miss comes up. Uh, Pico actually does uh, – Brandon Smith, excuse me, does a good job here. And Brandon's had back-to-back good outings. And I'm a Brandon Smith fan. I told you guys before. I like his approach to the game. I like his willingness to compete. I like the fact that he can go out there and basically be a ground ball machine for you. We get a foul out down the line and left. We give up a double, and this is one too where um, you know Montenegro. It seems like Miss has always had a Montenegro. I mean, it seemed. I, I, somebody joked on the message board last night said he should be getting his doctorate. Um, then Dickerson flies out to right. And you're thinking, okay, they got a runner at third here. You know, we're a pitch away from getting out of this thing, and lo and behold, again. It's another two-out, timely hit for Southern Miss. Single back up the box, to score the brother, to score Rodrigo Montenegro. Now it's a 7 0 game. We get Ewing looking, but again, the difference in this ball game, Southern Miss getting the timely base hit, Mississippi State not getting the base hit. I mean, Aaron Downs could be on the front page of Clarion Ledger today. And again, it feels like I'm picking on him. I'm not, but it just seems like every time we had runners in scoring position, he came up and just wasn't seeing the baseball well last night. Uh, we bring in Davis Match and let him pitch for, uh, pitch hit for R.J. and and Mash is a guy too that uh, has, was on his team last year. He didn't play a whole lot, but um, it's a guy that understands culture. He rolls one out to the first. They pick it up. third the pitcher, and again. It's a first-pitch-strike situation. I mean, I can't say enough about how well they got pitched. We helped a lot. We helped him a lot, but he did a great job forcing the action. Leggett then strikes out, and then Jess Davis comes in and pinch hits, and he strikes out too. Bottom of seven, we, uh, my, um, Mikey Tepper comes in for Brandon Smith and has a uh, one-two-three inning there. Sargent strikes out. Lynch grounds out to short. Wilk strikes out. You, you want to ask me if there, there is any positive from last night? It's that. It's Mikey Tepper. Mikey Tepper having a clean inning, coming in, pounding his own, coming in really competing, being the guy we need him to be. That, that guy's potential closer for us, and you know, we need him uh, to kind of round into form. And uh, over the weekend, he was a little bit up and down. But he had a clean inning against other Miss. And it wasn't, you know, this, we're talking three, four, five. It wasn't like, he, you know, he's facing seven, eight, nine, and guys that they've just kind of put in and emptied the bench out. But uh, that's really the only positive that I can draw. That may maybe Hunter Hines' play from the game is that Mikey Tepper went out there and gave you a clean inning. And Brandon Smith, I guess, had a decent one. But the bottom line, we lost the ball game in embarrassing fashion. Get in top of eight. They finally pull Hall, bring in Harper. And we start seeing a little velo. And what do you know, we start putting the ball in play a little bit better. Cam James barrels one up, but it's really a line out to center. Hancock then walks. Logan Tanner doubles the center field, and Hancock scores from first. And LT absolutely murdered this baseball. It was just too little too late. Hines then grounds out the first. He steps on the bag. And then Cummins grounds out the short. You know, again, you start thinking, well, at least you're putting the ball in play. Well, what's the eighth inning? We bring in Cole Cheatham to make his uh, debut for uh, Tepper and it didn't go as well as we'd hoped. You get a, you open the inning with a walk. There is a fielder's choice there. We we force the guy at uh, second. Montenegro flies out. And you're thinking, okay, we're you know pitch away from getting out of this. Then we walk Dickerson. We walk Montenegro to load the bases. And we have to bring in Brooks Auger. And Lamanis was not pleased walking out to the mound. You, you guys have seen – Uh, that stroll of steam when Chris is walking out there. You bring in uh, Brooks Auger, who had a pretty big battle here with the bases loaded, and he wins and gets the swinging strikeout uh, to leave him loaded. Top of nine. A lot of pinch hitting here, (laughs) right? Uh, So, Kellen Clark comes in and grounds out the first. Mesh strikes out three pitches, and then Von Siebert comes in and extends the game. and uh, the ball game's over. We got whipped. Simple as that. And a lot of these issues are our own. Give Southern Miss some credit. I mean, Those guys played exceptionally well. You know, had a couple of errors there. We didn't make them pay for it. They had good enough pitching to kind of get around it. They have seven hits. We have seven hits. The difference is their hits came in a more time we matter. You know, we really struggled with guys on base. And that that has kind of been – you know, kind of the elephant in the room, even in games that we've won. We haven't been nearly as efficient offensively as we should have been or could have been. We don't have a clutch gene right now. We've got to figure that out. Let's run the numbers here real quick. Uh, Jackson Fristo, three innings pitched, four hits, four runs. Not a good outing, just okay. Walk two, didn't strike out any. We need him to be better. Pico Kong goes one and two-thirds of an inning. One hit, two runs, two walks. Got to clean that up. The two wild pitches, that's got to get better, too. And, again, with a freshman, you expect there to be some up and down. And he's been really good so far. This was not his best outing by any stretch. Uh, Brandon Smith comes in, one in the third, two hits, uh, the one run, 1K. uh, Three fly outs, only 19 pitches, pretty efficient in that respect. I mentioned Mikey Tupper, uh, the clean inning there. No hits, no runs, 2Ks, no walks in the one ground out 12 pitches that'll get it done Uh, Cole Cheatham just two-thirds of an inning walk three that won't work and he'll be better for it I mean he's a left-hander we're going to need him to match up a little bit and Brooks Auger comes in and and retires the only batter that he sees uh, via K Tanner Hall had the longest outing of his career for Southern Miss and struck out 13 hitters and walk one the longest outing for a Southern Miss starter of the season we had something to do with that. He was on his game, but some of that was us. We've got to have a better approach to play. We absolutely have to have a better approach to play. We're going to talk about uh, Tulane a little bit later in the show, but uh, that's kind of where we are today. And, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm optimistic that we're going to be a top eight national seed. I, I think this team has too much talent to continue struggling. They will figure it out. And it's like – Oh, there's got to be something wrong, guys. What, what what could it be? What what do you think it is? You, you think all of a sudden you're going to find out that um, there's some cancer in the locker room? That's not true. All of a sudden the coaches have forgot how to coach. That's not true either. It's just baseball sometimes. Sometimes the game plays you tough. You know, sometimes you go out there and you play hard and do the best you can and ball doesn't drop for you. You know, sometimes you run into a pitcher. And, and we, listen, we've had a couple of guys this week that have really kept us off off balance, and that's what we're going to see. People are going to continue to mix and match and change speeds against us. It stinks. It does. But that's the game. This isn't football where you go out and physically dominate people. There's a lot of thinking. And the thing that I go back to about the thinking, sometimes I think some of our guys are thinking too much of the plate. I think you've got to simplify things. They say, hey, listen, I want you to go up there and you take every pitch until it gets to be two strikes, until you get the pitch you're looking for. Until you get a pitch, you can elevate. Until you get a ball away. I want you to go up there, work right side, whatever. Have an approach. We can't have the see ball, hit ball mentality. And when you got guys up there processing a lot of information, you get wild swings. There's an old saying in hitting that a full mind leads to an empty bat. And that's the truth. You complicate things, okay, look for this and look for that and this count here, you know, no. It's just like Brad Cumbus. You know, I, I, I've said all along, you know, when he came up, you know, if I'm, if I'm coaching Brad Cumbus, I'm going to say, Brad, I don't want you swinging at a breaking ball until there's two strikes. I want you to sit there and work the count and work the count until you get a fastball, and then when you get it, don't miss it. And you can tell that some of the things Jake Gautreaux is telling him too because he says, you know, hey, i got to be looking first pitch hitter all, heater all the time. Well, sometimes you put that stuff out there, people read that too. You know nobody's a dummy. They watch the film, they know you're sitting dead red. And sometimes you got to show them that you can be disciplined because when you're swinging over the top of changeups and you're chasing sliders away, well you're not going to get a fastball. That's, that's, you know that you can really drive. If you do get one, it's going to be on the pitcher's terms. And so I think it's important to simplify the game a little bit and it's not just on coaching. I mean coaching's part of the deal. You got to prepare guys but sometimes as, you're, as a hitter, you got to go in there and say, okay, what's my approach here? Where are the runners? How many outs are there? How are they playing me? How did they pitch me last time? But you got to have all that stuff done before you step in the box. Once you get in the box, it's go time. You get in there, you get in an athletic stance, you get your hands up. When it's time to load, everything quiets down. Get your head steady. Keep your hands inside the baseball. Watch your point of contact. It's as simple as that. You know, and, it, and it, you, well, Steve, you make it all sound so easy. A lot of times it is. A lot of times you've got to simplify the game for guys, especially when they're struggling, especially when they're struggling. You can't just go out there and just say, hey, go do your best. No, 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 no. Here's, here's what we're going to do. When he throws you that slider away, I want you to take it over the first baseman's head and double that ball in the right field. You know, Pitch it where it is. Hit it where it is. Excuse me. And again, it's the reality of baseball is this. it is a team game played by individuals. It's not like football. you know you miss a block or something like that. you know when, when it's time when you're in the box, it's just you and the pitcher. You got to do your part. and a lot of that is just being mentally tough. Guys like Luke Hancock, that guy's tough as nails man. he is. That guy can really play. That guy's a real bulldog. That guy that guy's a trained assassin to play. He'll get it going. Logan Tanner, how many big hits did he have for us last year? There were several SEC weekends when it wasn't TA picking us up, it was LT. You remember the game against Texas, the elimination game? Who was it that had the big hit? It's LT. So, I'm still confident they're going to get it going. I'm not going to say it's not going to get worse before it gets better. But I think sometimes going on the road, getting away from Starkville, getting away from all the distractions that go along with, with being at home sometimes, are good. Just building some esprit de corps. Let's get into today's top ten list. Brought to you by ClothesWithBlair.com. That's C L O S E. Close with Blair. B L A I R. A true mortgage professional. A guy that's been in the industry for twenty-one years. Works at Fairway Mortgage, number two in retail volume in the United States, and number one in customer service. So you got the best guy with the best company doing the best job for you. Many of you have thought, you know what, Steve? I don't know anything about this it pays to have a friend in the industry Blair is my friend he'll be your friend too whether you're looking to refinance and probably pay off some debt lower your debt to income ratio make things a little bit easier on you month to month where you're not sweating it out you know when you go put your debit card in the ATM the day before payday you're not having to think oh my gosh please 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 yeah you can get all those days behind you or maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time maybe you're looking to uh, start a new life for yourself maybe you want to get a second home you reach out to my friend Blair Chandler. Again, that's closeofblair.com. Let me give you his number, too. I think it's important that you, uh, that you have this. Blair is a guy that the uh, top 1% close ratio in the country. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And you say, Steve, I don't know that I could ever get approved. And you know what? You may be right. You may be, you may, maybe you can't get approved. But if there is anybody that can get you approved, it's going to be Blair Chandler so if you're an atypical borrower maybe you're kind of non-conforming to your know, current mortgage underwriting guidelines blair's a guy that can get creative he can help give you a plan have the best guy working for you close all right close is uh our sponsor for the top 10 list and uh today's top 10 list is uh an 80s icon in many respects a guy that went solo and some people are going to say, well, Steve, you tweeted out a Jeff of EZE. It's NWA. No, it's not. It's the police. The anti-NWA, I guess. You know, the police. If you're familiar with NWA's catalog, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're a big hit. It was kind of a not in support of law enforcement. So uh, not that I don't like the song. But here we go. Sting and the police. I expanded the list to work in some of the solo stuff. There are a few honorable mentions today. Fortress around your heart—that's a Sting solo track. Always—I don't know what I wrote down here. <laughs> uh, Shape of my heart is another one, and then uh, Russians—and that's very timely. I hope the Russians love their children too. That's the uh, the chorus there. So be sure and check that one out if you're unfamiliar. Very timely. All right, uh, number 10 on the list is a police song that was very, very popular. It was everywhere uh, for a time there. These guys really benefited from the MTV era. It's uh, number 10, Wrapped Around Your Finger. Number nine, it's a King of Pain. Great track, big hit for the police. Number eight, a Sting solo track, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. It's like I can lose everything else in life. I can lose possessions and money, esteem, whatever. But if I ever lose my faith in you, then I'm probably done. Number seven, a police song, uh, with probably one of the more interesting song titles. It's "da do 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 da 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 da." Check that one out. You're probably somewhat familiar with that one. Pretty, pretty kind of an infectious bass line to that one too. Number six another very timeless track in many respects it is another sting solo track it's fields of gold number six number five a police song that um probably is you know probably in some respects anthemic during the quarantine age it's don't stand so close to me observe the proper social distancing right number five don't stand so close to me number four off the album, The Dream of the Blue Turtles, there actually is a title track to that one, too. It's If You Love Somebody, Set Them Free. Firm believer in that. I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to be with me that feels that some sense of obligation. Don't do me any favors. If you love me, let me be me. I'll let you be you. Number three, it's message in a bottle. And the guitar on this is actually very, very technical. You know, police were not just a pop band. You know, they were a band that was very accomplished musicians, and I think this is very indicative of their talent level, the message in a bottle. If you uh, played, uh, I guess it was rock band, they had this on there as well. Number two, a great song about a great girl. It's every little thing she does is magic. Everything she does just turns me on. Even though my life was filled with sadness, you know, that everything... She does his magic. It's, it's a great, great track. Be sure and check that one out. And then number one, I don't know that uh, there was a video at the time that got played as much as this one, but it's Every Breath You Take. And the song is almost kind of You know, It's like every move you make, I'll be watching you. You know, It's not meant to be that way, but it kind of comes off that way. Some people have kind of raised that point. But Every Breath You Take, that's a police track. Number one, on the top ten list today, of Sting slash Police Songs. Be sure and check those out. An incredible songwriter with an incredible voice. A guy in many respects that um, shook things up when he went solo. A lot of people wondered what was next. You know, Synchronicity is a great album. If you're unfamiliar with the catalog, maybe you could put that one on from start to finish. I think you'll be pleased with that one. A lot of hits on that album. But that's a top 10 list. If you have ideas for a top 10 list, reach out and let me know. I'll be happy to do them for you. We didn't do the uh, Prime Shrimp player of the game in the first half of the show. We're going to do it in the next segment as we talk about some basketball stuff. Because to be quite honest with you, I didn't feel that we had a Prime Shrimp player of the game in baseball. We just didn't. That's the reality of it. And uh, be sure and check in with Prime Shrimp. Go to primeshrimp.com and use promo code Boneyard. We'll uh, talk about them a little bit more uh, in the next segment. Uh, let's start with our friends at uh, Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, I'll be by there later today. I was informed that they are just about out of signed books. Uh, never fear. I'm going to go by there and get that handled today before I head back to Jackson on the way to New Orleans uh, to cover the two lane baseball series this weekend. Uh, Campus Bookmart, a great place to shop, a great place to visit. When you're in town, go by and see Standing Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They'll take care of you. They'll treat you like family because in their minds you are family. It's the big maroon family. The latest in maroon and white merchandise always available at CampusBookmark.net. And by being a loyal listener, if I can get it out, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net net and uh, it's warming up around here so you probably need to start thinking about you know some some summer wear for the young people and you heard my impassioned plea on, on dad's behalf on yesterday's show take care of dad too dad puts up with a lot and sometimes being dad as, as chris rock says you I mean sometimes all you get out of being dad is getting a big piece of chicken how about get dad something nice how about ordering my new msu polo today He'll be glad you did. Campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's get into some men's hoops. The first thing that I will say is uh, it was very much an admirable effort by the hardcourt Bulldogs last night. I did not expect this game to be close. I did think if Auburn scored in the 80s, we're going to lose, and that's what happened, and we did. But Mississippi State had every opportunity to fold in this ballgame, and they didn't. They didn't. They played hard for their coach. They played hard for each other. They played hard for all of you. It was a great atmosphere in Humphrey Coliseum. I listened to the game on the way back from Pearl, uh, what was left of it. And, you know, it was was a raucous atmosphere. A lot of Auburn people there too. And that's another thing we can talk about another day. But the final home game in the old Humphrey Coliseum and likely the final home game for Ben Howland, and it's a partisan crowd for the opposition. As our players take the floor, they're booed in their own arena. If that's not a microcosm of where we are, or, you know, kind of a symbol of where we are as a basketball program, I don't know what else is. Our players booed soundly by the opposition in our own gym. It's rough. Really rough. But as I mentioned – uh, Auburn came out and really took it to us early on and had a chance to kind of put us away early. I mean, right there at the under-12 timeout at 17-8, to eight, Auburn. They had all the juice. They continued to kind of pile on there. And next thing you know, you look up at the under-8, and it's a 13-point lead. And that's after, you know, we made a couple of free throws just before the break there. A little bit later in the half, it is a 30-17 game with just 5.37 to play, and it just felt like it was going to be one of those nights. It really did. 37-20 with 3.28 to go after a dunk from Jabari Smith, who was an outstanding player. Timeout on the floor to kind of reset. The, late, the lead swells to 19, and as we get to the break, stated actually cut it back down to 12. So 19 points with 2.17 to go. And State puts together a nice little run here and puts eight points on the board to cut it to 40-28. So we're within a dozen. And you start thinking, okay, you know, could this, Could we make this thing interesting? Could we make them play both halves? Well, we did. It's really, really easy to say, you know what, hey, we could have just said, you know what, the year, it's been a long year. It hadn't gone our way. We've had some injuries. We've had some inconsistent play. This thing is done. Anderson Garcia in the lineup in the second half, had an outstanding game, perhaps his best in the uniform. Gets a layup and cuts it to 10. Auburn goes right back with a jumper. Uh, West against kid Allen makes it a 12-point lead again. The state wouldn't go away. Absolutely wouldn't go away. We get it down to double digits. Get into the, right, I guess right under the 12th timeout here. It's an eight-point lead, and it had been as low as four. Shaquille Moore with the big fast break dunk there with 13-22 to play. Makes it a four-point game. Auburn puts together a nice little run there to kind of maintain the lead. And then under 10, Tolu Smith makes a nice play in the post. It is now a two-point game. Next thing you know, Free throw by Shaquille Moore makes it a one-point game, and then State takes the lead with 8.46 to play. At this point, you got to think Auburn is panicking a little bit. The State lead gets as high as five with 7.20 to play. And at this point, as Richard Williams said, there were a lot of people in the gym that weren't there at the tip-off. We had a lot of our students turn out, and I don't think anybody can say anything negative about the students. They did a great job. You might say some negative things about people that sold their tickets, Uh, But the reality of it is they're just people that are done with this era of Mississippi State basketball. State pushes it back out to five again right at six minutes, and then Jabari Smith rams home a three to cut it to two. Auburn takes the lead at 57-56. State could quit then. They did not. Iverson Molinar with the three-point play to give State a two-point lead at right at the four-minute mark, and this is where we, this is the four-minute mark has always kind of been the witching hour uh, for this team. Rather than fold late, State hangs on, plays really good defense, and at this point, we we force overtime. The thing that I go back to is that coaching wins and loses close ballgames, and people say, "Well, you know, Steve, there's this and there's that." No, the, the bottom line is you get down to the end and it boils down to the coaches. I didn't think either team played well in the final minute, Uh, really the last couple minutes. You know, at the three-minute mark, State has a two-point lead, just simply needs to finish. And uh, we don't score a basket the rest of the game. Final three minutes, we don't score. Auburn manages to get one. That was a big jumper by Jabari Smith with 51 seconds to go. But, you know, we have a chance to go two for one. We don't. We take an ill-advised three from Garrison Brooks, and it's an air ball. Completely missed the goal. They have a chance to take the last shot. They do. And they fire up a three. Kind of a disjointed play there. And, uh, you know, it's short. And Anderson Garcia pulls it down. So, you get into overtime, you're thinking, man, we got a shot. Maybe we'll get a lift here you know, from the crowd. There's so many people there. And really, turnovers kind of got to us early in this in, – ball. In, in the – overtime period turnovers made the difference allowed auburn to get some separation uh, we make one of two free throws to get the lead and then katie johnson with layup on the other end gives auburn the lead back dj jeffries turns it over and it's a three-point uh, shot by katie johnson that makes it a four-point game for auburn and then andy garcia turns it over we end up fouling katie johnson he makes both free throws makes it a six-point game tolu Foul down low, makes them both. And he hadn't always been the most prolific free throw shooter. Set up and made some big shots for us. It's now a four point game. We get a steal, and then we blow the layup. This couldn't, just couldn't finish at the other end. They get the rebound, go right down a fast break. Um, you know, it's just, in, it's insanity here. You know, we have a chance to kind of uh, do something we hadn't done in, in forever, and that's not a big win. And the more talented team won at closing time it is now a six point game and then a free throw makes it a seven point game and to be honest with you the rest of it doesn't really matter we end up losing by 13 auburn dominates the rest of the game we only score two more points the rest of the game we ride a gas 81 68 i cannot knock the effort but the result is um is not positive by any stretch our fresh shrimp our pr- prime shrimp player of the game, I'll get that right at some point, is Tolu Smith, who I thought played one of the best games of his career at Mississippi State. If you're looking for, for quality shrimp, look no further than our friends at Prime Shrimp. They've been peeling shrimp in the New Orleans area since the 1940s. Proud to debut an exciting new flavor, Louisiana Crab Bowl. Be sure and check that out. Well, I guess it's the Louisiana Shrimp Bowl, actually. But uh, it's the Louisiana Bowl. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's seasoned and spiced to make you feel like you're down on the bayou. Be be sure to use our promo code Boneyard at Prime Shrimp uh, to save yourself a little money on your first order. Here's the deal, too. A lot of people say, Steve, I'd love to have shrimp, but it's just so much trouble. They take the trouble out of the experience for you. You don't have to peel them. You don't have to devein them. They're in a handy pouch that's sent direct to your front door. Pre-season shrimp, you just drop it in a a pot of boiling water. It's ready in 10 minutes. You got a, a luxurious... Cajun meal in 10 minutes or less without all the prep and cleanup that goes along with it. Order at Primeshrimp.com, get it delivered straight to your door. And again, promo code Boneyard to save a little cash in that. It's a risk-free purchase. If you don't love it, you get your money back. How many places will let you do that? You can try the food and if you don't like it, they'll give you your money back. Didn't work that way in life. But Tolu Smith, your prime shrimp player of the game. Uh, Tolu, 39 minutes of action, nine of sixteen from the floor. Four of five from the line, pulled down 12 rebounds, had a couple of assists, four turnovers, a pair of blocks, and two steals, 22 points, so a double-double for him. Iverson Molinar played all 40 minutes, did not have a good game. And he said, well, Steve, you scored 14 points, and he did, but at some crucial moments in the ball game, I thought the moment proved to be a little bit big for him. Five of 19 from the floor, missed all three of his three-point attempts, and that's kind of par for the course for the team. We're 0 of 13 again. I think Robbie Fogg dug up the stat it's one for 33 in the last three games and somebody responded and I laugh when I read it and I guess it's funny because it's true it's like hey if you told me they were one for 33 from half court I might believe that you think hey if they're shooting from half court sure they'll make one every once in a while we, we can't throw it in the ocean from three and again they say well Steve you know well you know who recruited the team you know, if we just had one consistent perimeter shooter, just imagine what this team could be with win some Frazier. Right? If you just had somebody that could keep the defense honest and Iverson could drive and dish it out and consistently get a basket from beyond the arc, you're not even sweating this thing out. I mean, it's, like, I mean, it's over. You know, my point is we wouldn't have been on the bubble. We couldn't go out and recruit a shooter. We can't shoot the basketball. And I don't know if you know that's a basic tenet of basketball. James Naismith, when he put the game together, you got you got to pitch it, you got to throw it in the basket. We we struggle to do that. Iverson, of course, that really big uh, ten second violation. Uh, what he had the technical foul. I mean, he lost his composure in that ball game. Garrison Brooks uh, played really hard. You know, had that ill advised three. But uh, 36 minutes of action for him. Four of six from the line. Eight rebounds. Nearly a double-double for him. Ten points. And Garrison Brooks is a guy, too, that was considered by many to be the best player in the ACC. I don't know what has changed with him. We've had some good games with him, though. as to be fair. You know, tonight you know was a good game, too. He played really hard. Uh, we didn't get the result we wanted, but uh, I can't knock the effort. DJ Jeffries, 35 minutes. Three of seven from the floor. Uh, just six points for him. DJ Jeffries has not been what we needed him to be this year uh just hadn't been maybe that's the offensive system we're trying to run maybe dj just hadn't developed chemistry with the team really only had the one big game from him he has been a solid role player for us but i don't think he has lived up to the expectations many of us had and maybe does run fair i uh, Shaquille Moore, 23 minutes of action six points for him oh of six from beyond the arc just two of eight from the field Andy Garcia, 29 minutes, 13 rebounds, and 8 points. Uh, That's a guy right there that has always provided some great energy and really played uh, with some real intensity. Cam Matthews, again, not doing a lot to fill up the box score, doing a great job defensively, doing the grunt work out there. You need a guy like him. Played 13 minutes, uh, just one or two from the floor, pulled down three rebounds. But, again, on the defensive end, he is a guy that really makes life difficult on our opponents uh, Javion Davis, another transfer, four minutes, uh, no points. Derek Mountain, four minutes. F- Derrick Fountain, excuse me, four minutes, no points. And Cam Carter, two minutes, no points. Uh, so when you look at the bench scoring, you know, a lot of it came from, from Andy Garcia. But, uh, you know, where State really, I thought, as bad as it was on the perimeter – you know, State really dominated on the glass, 50 to 32. If I told you before the ball game, you're going to be plus 18 against Auburn in the rebound, you you think you would won the game? Well, we didn't. We absolutely didn't. We turned the ball over way too much. Uh, Twenty, Was it 20, 25 points for Auburn off turnovers? We turned it over 20 times ourselves. Just not a good stretch. By any, and in order to beat a team like Auburn, they are a very, very good team. Very good team. Uh, you can't make the mistakes that we made. And, again, I I commend our crowd for turning it out. I commend the players for their effort. We just didn't execute enough. And so here's the thing, too, and this this may come across a little bit um, terse, shall we say, but I think the problem that you start running into when you consistently have these type of endings. I think a problem you keep running into is you're just not very good. We're not a bad basketball team. We're just not a, a really good team. We're good enough to beat many of the teams that we should, but a really good team, a tournament team, uh, finds a way to close this game out uh, d- despite the level of competition. You're at home, uh, biggest crowd of the year. Uh, you have a chance to, to, to keep your, your faint hopes alive, and then you can't close the deal. Auburn held it this 21 points in the second half. They scored 20 in overtime. State puts 33 points in the basket in the second half and then only seven in overtime. And that proved to be the difference in the ballgame. In the end, the more talented team usually wins. And, again, we have some talent. I believe this team is, was, was capable of making the tournament. We didn't make the tournament. You say, well, Steve, we could still win the SEC tournament. You know, yeah, theoretically. This team, but its lack of depth, is just not good enough to put together, you know, three or four good days of basketball. I just I don't see it. I know you all feel the same way. I've, I would love to be able to come back here, you know, uh, a week from now and say, hey, Mississippi State's getting ready to play for the SEC Tournament Championship. I, I just, you know, what what have we seen this year to give you any evidence to suggest that that's a real possibility? It's not. It's absolutely not. So State now 17-13 and 13 and 8-9 and nine in the league, and they will go on the road and play an A&M team that won in Tuscaloosa last night. And so A and is basically in the position that we were once in, you know, needing a couple more wins to legitimize themselves as a tournament team. They had a really good start, and then really, really faltered in the middle part of the season. But they have found some things as of late, and so you know we'll get ready to go play those guys on Saturday. You know, you say yeah, you like to win the game. You know, State's won one road game all year, and that was by two against the worst team in the league. And so you're not optimistic. And listening to Ben Howland's comments last night, he mentioned, you know, how A&M is very unorthodox. They're going to for us a lot. Uh, they're going to force our guards to get rid of the basketball. You know, so does the matchup favor us? No, it doesn't, and we're going to be on the road. I think when you look at this team and you start thinking 17 and 14 and 8 and 10 in the league, where do you go from here? Well, do you, you go get another coach. You know, and everybody talked about it. beginning of the year, we said, hey, we got to make the tournament in order for Ben Howland to stay. I think that, that, that was the consensus opinion. That wasn't just the insider opinion. I think everybody, even the casual fans of Mississippi State basketball, said, hey, we got to make tournament. We got to make the tournament. And not just because it's been a while, but because you had the talent to do it. We had a really good run in the transfer portal. You know, ben Howland and the staff did a great job going out and identifying some players. We were just a shooter away from really being a significant team. And that's the thing, too. That's what makes it so frustrating is that we are capable of playing with Auburn and Kentucky in stretches. But we're one shooter away from being able to finish those games. Because what happens is, you know, everybody knows when Iverson our drives, you don't have to respect the kickout because Mississippi State, if memory serves me correct, has the fewest three-point attempts in the conference. And then when we do shoot it, we can't make it. So nobody's going to respect that shot. So everybody's going to you know, peel off the shooter and uh, try to double Iverson or force him to go left. And again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say a lot of negative things about Iverson Molinar. He has been an absolute warrior for us. Last night, they kind of got to him a little bit. But that's the outlier. This guy's been a very steady performer for us. The thing that I go back to when I look at this team, and maybe you see it differently than me, and that's okay. I'll love you just the same. And he can say, well, you know, Steve, we've had some injuries. And we have. We have. But has Rocket Watts been better for Mississippi State than he was in Michigan State? Was he, has he been better? Is Iverson Molinar better this year than last year? I think he could probably make that case. I think a lot of that, too, is because he's had to shoulder more of the load with DJ moving on. Is Javion Davis better? I would say No. Is Shaquille Moore better here than he was at NC State? I would say no. You know, Cam Matthews, a again, we, you can't really judge Cam like you do some other players because of the stuff that he does. It doesn't show up in a box score. And Cam Carter, of course, is still young, and we think he's going to be a great player for us in time. Is Garrison Brooks better than he was at North Carolina? Absolutely not. Has Andy Garcia gotten better? Yeah, he has. Is D.J. Jeffries better at Mississippi State than he was at Memphis? I would say no. Derek Fountain has regressed this year. Is Tolu Smith better than he was at Western Kentucky? Yeah, I would say so. You know, But by and large, you look and you, you don't see a lot of guys getting better. You just don't see them getting better. And so it's like a lot of these guys are going to be gone next year. So we, you know, we're going to be playing NCAA transfer portal roulette again. And That's when you start thinking to yourself, okay, well, are we ever going to have some stability in college basketball at Mississippi State? You know, I think if you're going to go out and renovate the arena and you're going to expect people to come, you've got to give them a better brand of basketball. And what we've seen in the last seven years has just been subpar. And that's not to say that it's been awful. It hadn't been. It hasn't been awful. It just hasn't been up to expectation. That's one thing I worked for a guy years ago and he said something that is very profound that stayed with me my entire life. He was one time I you know trying to make excuses for myself. You know and, and I was like, "Well, I'm doing the best I can." And he goes, "Well, you know maybe the best you can this isn't good enough. I don't need you to do what the best you can. I need you to do what the expectation is." Well, yeah, so that I had to kind of I figured out that I had a better best. You know, here I was thinking I'm about to do the best I can, go through the day, and everything will be okay. But I, I was challenged. Okay, so the expectation is you've got to hit these numbers. Well, I started hitting them. You know, and to give Joe Moorhead a little bit of credit, even though the Joe experience here was, was not as pleasant as we'd like for it to be, Joe always said nobody rises to low expectations. When you tell people what you expect of them, then that's where we are you got to be able to hit the expectation. doesn't matter how nice you are. doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how much people like you. The expectation is to make the NCAA tournament. Are you going to make it every year? Absolutely not. But to go one time in seven years, it's unacceptable. And then the one time you went, you get upset by Liberty, it's unacceptable. And there are a lot of people out there that are kind of uh, mid-major college basketball hipsters. Well, there's this and there's that. No, no. This is the gig. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it kind of, to use a baseball uh, analogy as well, you know, it's like there are times when we, we ran into a really good arm. Well, you know what, that really good arm ran into a good team too. So let's not excuse our own deficiencies by saying, you know, the guy was just better than us. If that's the case, if, that, if that's the excuse that we're willing to accept for ourselves, we're never going to win. We're never going to achieve what we expect to as an athletic uh, program or department if we just say, well, they're doing their best. No. These are the expectations. If you don't meet the expectations, we have to make a change. And I I just expect better from Mississippi State. And maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe I am. I, I read some things sometimes like on social media and the Facebook groups and even sometimes when they're on the message boards. And I I think, you know, maybe my expectations are too high. But I'm not going to let them go. You know, and that's the thing, too. You know, I can expect as much as I want. i got to deal with whatever we get. But the reality of it is, is I believe Mississippi State can compete. I believe Mississippi State can win. I don't think we have to settle for being an NIT team, and at times an NIT bubble team. I just don't think that's the case. And it'd be one thing, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we – we're in IT for a couple of years, and then we get to pay off by going to the big dance, maybe that third year. I just think it's unacceptable to go seven years and not have an NCAA tournament win, and we're the only team in the conference that can say that. Where else would that be acceptable? And say, well, you know, well, Steve, I really like this guy or that guy or this lady. It doesn't matter how much you like him. You know, this isn't dinner on the grounds, you know, at the Macedonia Baptist Church. It doesn't matter how well you get along. We're not friends. You're here to do a job. And if you don't do it, you got to go. I mean, it's unacceptable. And you can say, well, you know, they're doing the best they can. Well, you're, maybe your best isn't good enough. That's the reality of life. It happens for all of us. You know, if you want to be elite... You want you want to pack the hump. You can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing. I mean, think about that for a second. The final home game of the Ben Howland era. There may have been more Auburn fans than there were Mississippi State fans. Let that sink in for a second. We're bringing in a top five opponent. We still have a chance. A slim chance, but we still have a chance to make a tournament. Let's say if you beat Auburn and you beat AM and all of a sudden you put together a win or two in the tournament, that's a lot of ifs, I know. But you're bringing in you know, the, arguably the best player in college basketball and then they outpace us in our own gym. It's a pride issue there. The bottom line is that the Mississippi State fan base is not proud of our men's basketball program. And I won't listen to any arguments against that. If we were proud of our program, we would be there. If we were proud of our program, we wouldn't dream of letting Auburn people come in and take over our arena and boo our team on their home floor. We're not proud of the program. Except, but Steve, there isn't there are no bots. The evidence is there. The evidence is clear. And again, maybe we want different things. Maybe we do. I think we all want to win. Yeah, and there are sometimes, too, you know, and maybe this is from my background in recovery, and I'll share this with you, and it took me a long time to understand this concept. One of the things they preach in recovery is principles before personalities. No matter how much I like somebody, you know, if they're not providing some type of, uh, you know, benefit to my life or whatever, if I'm not getting something out of the relationship of a positive nature, I got to think about that. It's like, okay, well, I really like this person, but they're stealing from me and you make excuses for them because you like them. And really it's, it's an inferiority complex. It's like, well, I don't think I can do any better. I got to put up with this to keep this person in my life. And so it's a principles for personalities deal. You know, there are times too, like when I was in retail management, you know, you manage salespeople. I had some people that were fantastic people that were awful salespeople. Well, you know, I, I you know, again, I, I'm not trying to fund the glee club you know, I've got people a- ahead of me that are supervising me that say, hey, these are the sales numbers we expect you to hit. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to be the last guy to go. Again, I had a lot of nice people that I had to fire. Fired well over 100 people in my career. I don't take any pride in that because some- somewhere along the way, maybe I made a bad hiring decision, maybe I made a bad training decision. But the reality of life is, is that you know, when people aren't getting the job done, you have to make the change as a leader, whether that's a popular decision or not. And I think it's, it's evident by the fact that we can't get people to come watch us play basketball, that we need to have a change in the direction of our men's basketball program. And I know I sound like a broken record. I have been very optimistic about this team this year. I have been. And I think most people that listen to the show – I have said, even after some bad losses, even after that bad loss to a really bad Ole Miss team, I said, I still believe we will make the tournament. We are a tournament team. I believe we'll do it. Until it was evident that we wouldn't. And at what point do you say, you know what, hey, well, maybe next year. I I think that's beyond – I think we're past that now. And I'm supportive of every coach at Mississippi State, as long as they're the coach of Mississippi State – and listen, I give Ben Howell a lot of credit last night for making the adjustments necessary to get State back in the ballgame. You know, defensively, our effort was outstanding. That's kind of his pedigree. He's a defensive-minded coach. But what has become his identity at Mississippi State is playing it close and then losing in the end to superior teams. And I don't know that we are, we, we are talent deficient. I, I don't think that we are as talented as some have suggested. I do think we're good enough to get to the tournament, and we haven't done it. And so it's kind of like the old Houston nut thing at all Miss years ago. It becomes this um, this monster of sort. When everybody talks about how much talent you have, true or untrue, when that's the perception is that you're a very talented team and you don't win, there's only one explanation, and it's coaching. And so you go out and you recruit these guys, and you know, who knew, you know, way back in December that we weren't going to have a, at least one consistent shooter from outside. I mean, what we've done down the stretch is abysmal. And we all see it. But uh, you know, we're not going to belabor the point. I I do believe we are at the end and I think that uh we will find out, you know, some official news sooner rather than later. You know, I don't think this is something that drags on. I I think I think the search front of the coach is well underway as you guys that subscribe to Gene's page, know Paul Jones uh keeping up with that really close, and I'll throw in some asides every now and again. But the reality of it is is that um, you know there comes a time in life you got to make difficult decisions. I don't think this decision is very difficult. I think it may be a little difficult to execute because of the personalities involved, because Ben Howland is a great person. I don't think you'll find anyone that will say otherwise. But he hadn't won enough, and that's as simple as it is. Let's take a look at uh, Tulane. This segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Good friends of ours, right? A lot of bulldogs involved with Portico. And that's one of the things that I love about that, that whole development, is this isn't just some fly-by-night company that's just kind of coming through and you know putting some roots in the ground temporarily. These are people that believe in Starkville and Mississippi State. You're Brooks Bryant, that entire group there, they're Mississippi State folks through and through. So come check it out, Portico. Right off, you take off 82 on the 12, like going to campus, very first right, Pat Station Road, boom, next thing you know, you're Portico. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, but it's on the quiet side of campus. you got that great neighborhood market right there, too, so if you forget to pick up a uh, you know, loaf of bread on the way home, you're right there. You don't have to run all the way to town. You can just get it done. Very convenient. Uh, phase one, completely sold out. Phase two, under construction now. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath. Uh, and everything in between. And that's the thing, too, because phase two is just kind of getting started. You can pick your lot and have a say in your housing plans. Portico is a great place to live. I've told you guys more than once. If I, I was moving to Starville now, that's where I'd move. And I'm, I'm entrenched right now where, where I am. But if I was one of you guys and thinking, you know what, maybe we'll go to Starville. Maybe we'll get a place up there. Maybe it's our second home. Maybe it's our eventual retirement home portico's the way to go maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat weekend maybe that's your stop maybe it's where you keep all your tailgating gear and rest your head at night maybe you can afford to have a second home if you're going to do that do it in startable make portico your next move and before we do that let me give you brooks phone number i would be remiss if i didn't do that and if nothing else maybe you can call and uh, talk to him and just kind of learn a little bit more about your options while you're making some decisions 601-416-8075 again 601-416-8075 again that's portico make it your next move all right the two lane green wave you know we had uh we had quite the tussle with them last year when they came in here and uh could have very easily won the series you know Braden olthoff came out there on friday night and, and as chris Lamonas so eloquently said kind of shoved it up our backsides but um or what did they say, Shove it up our rears. You know, we go out there and have the umpires check him to make sure he's not doctoring the baseball. And uh, he wasn't, or at least he wasn't caught doing it. But the uh, reality of it is we, we battle back and we win the series and uh, have a couple walk-offs there to do it. And I'm sure Tulane feels like, hey, you know what, we should have gotten those guys last year, and we didn't. We let them off the hook, and then they missed the tournament. You know, another winner of Mississippi State, they're probably in. So they're going to be kind of laying in wait for us think they're ready to go but let's look at the two two-lane uh, year to date. they open up with our old friends from UMass Lowell a three-game sweep they're at Greerfield at Turchin Stadium not giving up much in the way of uh, runs in that, that series either they then win at Nichols and then last weekend they take two of three on the road in Ruston against Lane Burroughs and Louisiana Tech they lose game one six one bounce back to win four one and then a 13-5 winner on Sunday. And if, you tell, if, if, we're, if we give up 13 runs and with Kate Smith on the mound on Sunday, I'll be shocked. I submit to you we have one of the better Sunday pitchers in, in the game. Um, they destroy Southeastern Louisiana on Tuesday 23-1 to and then beat Texas Southern last night 10-2. Now, they're playing a five-game week too, kind of like we are. So that will be interesting as we get into the weekend and we look at pitching depth. You know, how, I don't think we're going to be out anybody. Maybe you don't throw Fristo, But, um, you know, we'll see how things progress. I'm sure they threw a lot of younger arms in that Southeastern Louisiana game. And then, of course, they beat Texas Southern last night. But 8-1 uh, and one on the year, the long loss, of course, that uh, Friday night game uh, to Louisiana Tech. So, uh, where do things go from here? Well, we'll see. And this will be uh, an ESPN Plus game. You will be able to watch that. There were some rumors last night that the Southern Miss game was going to be streamed. That was incorrect. I don't know how that got out there. It was wrong, according to Southern Miss officials. It did not come from them. Uh, But this is a huge, huge series uh, for us. Could be a confidence maker for us or could have us going back to the drawing board. Let's take a quick look here at uh, who is kind of getting it done for the the Greenies down at the plate. Ethan Groff is a guy we played against last year. He's uh, started all eight games for them. Uh, Leads the team at this point. Uh, and, and many statistical categories. Uh, looking at their numbers here, it's um, 448, 448 uh, for him. That's getting it done. A five doubles, a triple, and a dinger. Not a lot of power in this lineup. You know, just five home runs on the year. It's early, though. Uh, Simon Bumgart, another guy that we saw last year, hitting 429 uh, and has kind of been a part time starter for them. He's played in all eight games, started just two. Uh, he's a guy, too, that uh, doesn't have a ton of at-bats under his belt. Seven, so he's mainly a pinch hitter. He has walked a lot, though, which is interesting. Seven at-bats, and he has five walks. Three hits. That'll get it done, right? Uh, Lewis Avilas is a guy, too, that we, we know pretty well, too. 345. A guy that's getting it done, as well. Uh, is a bit of a threat to strike out too, though. Has eight Ks on the year. So... We're going to see some familiar names. These are guys that uh, – this is a veteran team, which is one of the reasons they're winning at the level that they are. And the, the competition outside Louisiana Tech has not been stellar. They haven't necessarily played a difficult schedule. Uh, but they'll be focused and ready to go. Now kind of looking at these numbers here on the pitching side of things, Dylan Carmouche, you know our friend Dylan Carmouche, played at Mississippi State, he transferred down there. He has been outstanding for them. 2-0 record, a 0.69 ERA. Two appearances, two starts. One of those, a complete game. 13 innings pitched, allowed just eight hits and one run. 11 Ks against two strikeouts. Uh, really liked him and was disappointed when he left. And we can certainly use him. But now he's down at Tulane working as a starter. And maybe perhaps that factored in the decision. Probably not going to start here, so let me go somewhere that I can. And he has been really good. I, I, and I'm confident that uh, we'll see him this weekend uh looking to other guys on this on this group here carter robinson is a guy 10 innings pitched uh three appearances for him two starts era of 0.90 one and zero on the year uh, allowed just six hits one run four walks seven k's uh, tyler hoffman that guy's been around a little bit too Zero and one on the year two starts uh, 9.1 innings pitched, so he's not going deep in the games, which you know you don't expect a lot of people to at this point. Carmouche had the complete game uh, shutout, which is kind of a rarity in college baseball these days. But uh, nine hits, uh, four runs, six walks, uh, seven Ks. As a staff, 62 strikeouts and 25 walks. Uh, Carmouche is a guy that's actually propping that stat up a little bit. So they're not a huge swing-and-miss pitching staff, which – you know, based on what we've seen from Mississippi State, you know, something's got to give, right? Either they've got to get some Ks or we got to get some hits. Uh, but they've, they've allowed opponents to hit 232 against them. They're hitting 282, which is about 20 points higher than Mississippi State, maybe a little bit higher than that after last night. Um, you know, they're swinging the bats pretty well. Opponents have not pitched it well against them. Is that a product of the off opponent's pitching staff or is it indicative of how well Tulane has played offensively? opponents allowing 7.34 earned runs a game. Interesting, right? They're giving up some big numbers. Of course, the, the Southeastern game, very gaudy in that score too. And a lot of those runs were earned. So again, it kind of skews the numbers, uh, just a little bit, but, uh, this is a team that is certainly capable of winning a series. It's a team that we're capable of beating. Uh, I know our play this week has not really fired up a lot of players and, uh, I know that they are ready to maybe show who Mississippi State really is. This is a chance to go make that statement. This is a chance to not only show yourselves and your fan base and the nation that the Bulldogs are still for real, this is a chance to go do it. It's one of the hottest teams in the country. And Chris Lamona said as much last night. And, again, early, it didn't really matter you know, who you're playing. It's how you're playing. And you know, We're not playing well. They are. So, we could go down there and get swept. We could go down there and lose a series, or we're capable of going down there and, rever- and flipping the field on them. Now, I submit to you, they have not played a pitching staff, uh, at least the starters, like us. You know, Landon Sims, Landon was, you know, in the cold weather last week, was not um, what he was in week one. If we get a typical Landon Sims performance, you got a really good chance to win that Friday game. Saturdays are always a toss-up. And then you know I look at Cade Smith. If Cade Smith can repeat what he's done on Sundays, we'll have a chance to win that game too. You know This is all going to boil down to can Mississippi State put the baseball in play? Can we get hits? Can we do better job at the plate? We're playing well defensively. And I think we're getting good enough starting pitching, especially on the weekends, uh, to win these games. You, know, you win the series last week, and uh, we all felt great on Monday. I say great. Maybe that's putting it, putting too fine a point on it. Uh, we knew Landon wasn't at his best, but we still should have won that game on Friday. You you win the series, and you're thinking, hey, we we've kind of found something with Preston Johnson. We we feel like we've got something special with Kate Smith, and we know Landon will bounce back. So I'm not worried about our starting pitching this weekend. What I am worried about is, uh, are we going to have to win ball games two one three one that type of thing? You know, we're gonna they're gonna have to go out there and score four five six seven runs. Occasionally, and right now, there's not anybody in the lineup. You look and say, Okay, well, this is a guy that uh, they have to pitch around to avoid the game getting a little bit lopsided. I still like our team, I don't like how we're playing, and I think that's maybe maybe where all of you guys are too. I I love Mississippi State, love Chris Simonis, I love our players. I don't love how we're playing as of late. Now, one of the things I think might help us a little bit is we're gonna see some velo this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure they'll mix and match a little bit. But we're going to see things that are kind of what we're, we're – it's difficult to simulate 75-mile-per-hour fastballs. I guess I could go get some uh, you know, some trainer to throw them BP or something. But I think that we're going to see some pitching that we are probably more accustomed to. And we'll see how things kind of go from there. But uh, it's a big weekend. I mean, it really is a big weekend. You go down there and you drop this series, and let's say you get swept – you start thinking about the postseason. You know, is, does that put state in a position that we're now scrambling to find a way to host? It is a long season. It is, but these are the weekends that stay with you in the end. These are the weekends when, you know, when the NCAA college baseball selection committee sits down, they're going to look at who you played out of your league and how did you do against them. You know, this weekend I think is going to determine a lot. Now, let's be honest, too, Princeton's coming in next weekend. If you see how the Ivy League's been playing, you know, none of that's a gimme either. And Chris Lamontis is a guy, too, that's not scared to go on the road and play a difficult team. He went to Long Beach. You know, we got Texas Tech coming in again. Now we're going to Tulane. And, and, again, after last year, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, you know, you begin to think, okay, well, we're not going to go down there and play. You know, of course, I'm sure that was a home and home agreed on to begin with. But uh, it was a very contentious series. And it's one that I'm sure the Tulane people were lamenting later in the year, thinking, you know what, we we had a chance to make this thing happen a year ago and we didn't. We will get their best effort. And I say that all the time. We're gonna get everybody's best effort, but I suspect that Tulane will have a little more gusto than maybe some of our other opponents. They finished thirty-one and twenty-four last year. You know, I'm looking at these numbers, you know, going back to last year, looking at some of these uh Games that we played, you know, we scored six in the ninth in a Saturday game to win. It was five to three in the ninth, two lane. And we scored six to win. You know, had wasn't the walk off Grand Slam in that right? Yeah, no, it was Luke Hancock. He had a walk off Grand Slam uh, to win the game. Pretty crazy. Right, we had to walk them off in that game, and you know what happened on Sunday? Have you forgotten about that? It was another walk off. Tanner Allen with the RBI single to walk it off. And if you remember in that ball game, <laughs> we nearly gave it away in the ninth. It was a three-two game, and Spencer Price is in to close it out, and we give up a taco out there to give them a lead. It's four to three. And then we come back and score two in the ninth, and so we did what it took to win those games. But none of those games that you would you look back in hindsight and say, yeah, Mississippi State clearly looked like the national champions against Tulane, and I'm sure their staff is telling them exactly the same thing: is hey, you guys had the, the eventual national champs on the ropes last year and just couldn't finish, and so I'm sure they're telling them it's about execution. You know, our folks will say, well, you know what? We did what winning teams do. They find a way to win late, and we did. So both things can be true. But I, I do expect a very hostile environment down there. You know, I, I don't know what they're, what they're getting. Let's, let's look real quick here before we get out of here. Let's just kind of look and see what kind of crowds they're getting. I know many of you will be there too. Uh, they haven't played the one weekend series at home. Let's go back and look at what uh, opening day was a 630 start. So they should have had an opportunity to get some good uh, – 1,409 fans. Not a lot of big numbers. Let's look at Saturday. That was an 11-0 ballgame, 1,382. So it's not going to be like going to bomb, right, or, uh, you know, even going to to Ole Miss. But, uh, you know, we'll have some fans there. Um, But, you know, the temperature of this ballgame is going to be rather, rather interesting. I don't think there's any question that uh, we are going to have to give them our best effort in order to win because they are a very talented team. And we're going to get their best effort. And probably it's going to boil down to who makes the big mistake. I'm sure you understand that, too. It's just as simple as that. You know, if we go out there and play up to our potential, we're going to win the ballgame. Now, Friday, this is interesting, too. uh, We're going to have some warmer weather this weekend. Friday, the high in New Orleans is 79, the low is 52. Saturday, it's going to be in the low 80s. Same thing for Sunday, a chance of rain on Sunday as well. Uh, Some warmer temperatures, which uh, is good for baseball, not just because you guys can come and get some sun and wear a short sleeve shirt, but the ball generally travels a lot better in warmer weather. Uh, So maybe it's a breakout weekend for us. Maybe it's a weekend we have to kind of like begin to temper our expectations for this year. Uh, I just think this team has too much talent to continue to play at this level. So we'll see how things progress. I'm excited about it. I know you guys are as well. And we'll feel a whole lot better if we can go down there and and, and win the series. And, you know, I think expecting a sweep is probably too much. If you could get that, all of a sudden all is right in the world and you've got a lot of juice heading to Biloxi uh, for those two midweek games against a really good Texas Tech team. Uh, Lamont is very ambitious with the non-conference scheduling this year, which should prepare us for the SEC. And that's the thing you begin to ask. It's like, you know, will we be battle-tested by the time we get there? I think we absolutely will. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, it'd be nice to get back home, but I think we're going to learn a lot about our team here on this road trip. And Logan Tanner said last night, you know, sometimes just kind of being together, this is a very close-knit team, but maybe kind of being together and focusing on baseball just as a group without all the other stuff that goes on. I mean, you're not going down to the Cotton District and that sort of stuff. You know, uh, you don't have people down there that are, you know, chasing you around for autographs and taking pictures and things like that. Reality of it is is this is the opportunity uh, to really form some bonds here that will probably sustain this team throughout the season. And my hope is we'll look back at this and say this was a defining week for the right reasons rather than the wrong reasons because if we, we keep dropping non-conference games, you are going to be chasing that the entire rest of the year. That will be a blight on our resume the rest of the year. And I remind you guys, too, back in 2016, you know, we lost to Eastern Kentucky and Oral Roberts and won the SEC and ended up being a top-eight national seed. We didn't close a deal. But even though we pick up some bad losses early, we, the way that our league is structured, we can overcome that and still be a top-eight national seed. We just can't keep, continue to take them. We can't keep stacking up losses. We're 5-4 and four right now, uh, and it, we've got a chance to be, you know, 6-4 through 10 games. We have had some really good teams that have started out of the gate a little bit slow, and you know, we've had some bad teams that have got off to a big start. I, I was looking at the numbers yesterday. 2015, we opened up 10-0 and 0, and then ended up with a losing record. And then we, we started the year, what, 5-5 five and five, and 18, and up going to Omaha. So you never know. So, you know, the snapshot of the first 10 games is not always truly indicative of how the season's going to turn out. So let's go win some ball games. We won't have to worry about that sort of stuff. All right, that's it for today. Thanks so much for your support. If you're looking for books, go to dogpilethebook.com. I will be at the Capitol Grill tonight from 5 to 7. That's it there in uh, Holland Village, there in Jackson. And then on Monday, I'll be at Drusilla Seafood in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, with uh, the MSU Alumni Association. That's a 6 p.m. start. Uh, Be sure and check in with Michael or your local alumni reps. But this evening... 5 to 7 in Jackson. I'll stay there and then uh, make the trek down in New Orleans tomorrow. Spend the weekend, and we'll see you find folks there in Baton Rouge on Monday. I will bring the gear with me so we can record the show uh, Sunday evening or Monday morning, whatever's going on. Probably do it Monday morning. Uh, But excited to uh, be back with you today. So, again, this is your Friday show. And it's really timely, too, because we had so much to talk about. So. That's going to do it for today. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.